This is a Federal News Network podcast. Who says the Pentagon can't move fast? It's boosted accelerated contract payments to the tune of more than a billion dollars so far, and it's pumped millions in rapid funding into small businesses during the pandemic. For these and other recent developments in the defense end of government, we turn to DOD reporters Jared Serbu and Scott Mossioni. And Jared, why don't we start with you? Accelerated payments, what are they? How could they get them out so fast? And what's the effect of all of this? Yeah, so as part of the CARES Act, the department signed what's called a class deviation a little over a month ago, telling contracting officers to raise what they call progress payments from 80% to 90% of the total contract value if your contract is with a big company. And then those progress payments also went from 90% to 90 95% for small companies. We were curious at the time to see how quickly DOD was going to be able to pull that off to accelerate those payments because just signing that class deviation doesn't make it happen automatically. Every one of those contracts had to go back and get modified by contracting officers or by the Defense Contract Management Agency to, to actually put those accelerated payments into place. But there's now quite a bit of evidence that those payments have indeed uh, been sped up. DOD says so far over the last several weeks, it's it, it's made uh, $1.2 billion in accelerated rated payments uh, beyond what it would have made in progress payments uh, over, over the last month or so. And they expect that to reach about $3 billion over the next couple of weeks. And they've done that because they have gone in and done those contract modifications across 1,400 separate contracts, most of those in a mass modification that was done all at once by the Defense Contract Management Agency. It seems like Ellen Lord has really been on top of a lot of this from the beginning, hasn't she? Yeah, and to her credit, been very public about what she's doing, too. DOD does not release its procurement uh, figures uh, in, in a public database in real time the way all other federal agencies do. So it's hard to track just looking at data until three months down the line. But but she has been out front sort of at least describing the measures that the department has taken. And each of the military services has done a fairly good job um, talking with, with, with the media and others, too, about what those dollar figures really are, since we can't see them uh, ourselves in the public databases. And I just have to say, I can't get around that term, class deviation. When I was growing up, the class deviant was the one taking acid or doing worse things. Was it but, you? Yeah, no, it wasn't me. I was a straight arrow. But Scott, let's ask you about the injection of funds into small business also happening quickly during this whole pandemic. That's one of the things that the Defense Department's been really worried about, which is uh, small businesses not having a good cash flow. NDIA, the National Defense Industrial Association, recently came out with a survey that said it, more than 60% of defense small businesses are really suffering with cash flow. So the Navy and Marine Corps are creating, with, along with the Naval Research Enterprise, uh, are, are starting this sort of broad agency announcement. It's open until the end of May, and they're asking for scalable technologies for maintenance and repair of military assets. They're asking for digital security analysis, rapid manufacturing, and resilient communications, all having to do with the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, this is about a $30 billion effort, but it's part of a larger effort within the whole DOD and, and also within the services for about $250 million in funding over the next 90 days. And then just as a little aside to that, the Defense Department's also trying to keep its innovation flowing, uh, even as coronavirus is slowing down the economy. They announced that they're selecting six collaborative teams as part of a program to stimulate competitive research. Each one of these teams is going to get $600,000 over the next three years to pursue science and research engineering. And this is real high-level stuff, you know, the the kind of things where you look at the titles of these papers and you're like, I'm not really sure if I'm reading English, but it's stuff that will help the Defense Department get to the next phase of, um, you know, quantum computing, uh, subparticle analysis, all that kind of stuff that uh, is interesting for near peer comp competition. 
So they are continuing with programs and they're also speeding up money into those programs. So in a sense, the pandemic sounds like it's a way to even accelerate what was already rapid development programs in the first place. That's right. And, you know, the the Defense Department's also looking at this as a way of finding out what might be a really good uh, uh, best practices to bring along into the future. Uh, You know, so they might use some of these things much later once the corona pandemic uh, phases out and uh, say and use these um, uh, acquisition methods to uh, hurry up programs that they weren't sure that they could do before. We're speaking with Federal News Network Scott Massioni and Jared Serbu. And Jared, there's something else fast happening. It's a small thing by comparison, but might be the harbinger for what we're all going to see in general in the future. And that is a way to screen for fever at building entrances quickly. And you don't have to stick anything under your tongue or under your armpit. Yeah, that's right. As we all know at this point, you know, fever is not the only symptom of coronavirus, and you can certainly have it without having a fever or any other symptoms for that matter. But but DOD has been using temperature screening as one of its main force health protection measures throughout the course of this. And and in in response to that, you know, they 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 felt that you know we, we. It'd be nice to be able to social distance and take temperature screenings at the same time in in settings where large numbers of people are coming in through business entrances, uh, building entrances, rather, for example. So the Army's rapid equipping force has gotten gear out to the field relatively fast in this case. And and essentially what it is, is a thermal imaging camera that's that's, uh, you know, stood off at a distance of six to eight feet away. So the operator doesn't have to come in direct contact with the person that they're screening. If they pop positive on that thermal imaging camera, they can get a, a, you know, a more accurate reading by actually coming up and using a more sensitive forehead thermometer. But the point is you don't have to do that with every single person who's coming into the building. So a much safer way to go about this. Uh, There's already one that's been deployed at the visitor entrance um, at the Pentagon. They're hoping to add some more to some of those other high volume entrances like the uh, Washington metro entrance that employees use at the pentagon wow so i guess no one will have to pass a smell test because that's one of the symptoms too you can't smell or taste they won't put something in front of you is this a hershey kiss or a rabbit pellet <laughs> or something i don't know i think that would slow foot traffic down quite a bit <laughs> it sure wouldn't it would be much fun to do that's and right. uh, scott you are reporting that there's the imposition of limits on how much beef chicken and so forth meat that people can buy at the PXs? Yeah, and this isn't at, it's actually at the the commissaries, and this isn't at every single commissary, but ones that are seeing supplies dwindle. And this dwindling of supplies in in meat is because the meat processing and packing plants uh, are really having trouble getting their employees to work or because they're getting sick because they're working in close conditions where COVID-19 likes to, to spread. So the commissaries released a statement on Friday saying that they'll be enacting a policy that limits two items of fresh protein per person per visit. So you can have two pieces of chicken, two pieces of beef, et cetera. This does not go for fish. So this is something that they're just kind of trying out to see if it's going to work. They don't really expect too much of a uh, supply chain problem. The overseas supply chain still remains strong. And they're going to be prioritizing quantities for for overseas shipments. So they should be able to support the demand they're expecting. But if you're thinking of trying out the vegetarian lifestyle, uh, this may be the time to do it if you're in the military. Or if you're shopping for meat, bring the whole family and everybody throw two chickens in the the bin. (laughs) There you go. All right. And I guess that leads to the Pentagon readying solicitation for new dental care providers so people can keep chewing on all that meat. 
Jared, this is, sounds like a big development. Yeah, fairly big. It's, it's relatively small in the, in the grand scheme of things on what DOD spends on health care each year, but still fairly big, probably north of a billion dollars in contracting. And this is going to be for the Active Duty Dental Program 3 that's currently run by United Concordia. The, the Defense Health Agency plans to release a final solicitation probably sometime next week to start getting bids for that, for that program. We don't have a total ceiling value for that, but the one United Concordia has right now that it won back in 2014 is $1.2 billion. This is not the, the, the program that family members and, and retirees use to, to access dental care via a, sort of a premium-based program. This is f- mostly for um, outside referrals um, to, to private clinicians um, for active duty service members. So a relatively small amount of DOD's overall health care spending, but any health care spending in DOD by its very nature is very big business. Actually, there's one more item I think we should mention too, and that's the new Coast Guard's top lawyer. Yeah, Rear Admiral uh, Melissa Burt appointed last Friday as the new Judge Advocate General of the Coast Guard and Chief Legal Counsel. She is the first woman to hold that position in the 230-year history of the Coast Guard. She she comes to that position from having been the Coast Guard's top external affairs person dealing with congressional matters and people like us in the press, but she's got a pretty extensive legal background in the Coast Guard as well. She's also taught at uh, GW and uh, University of Miami Law Schools. Federal News Network's Jared Serbu and Scott Mossioni, thanks so much. Check out their DOD Reporter's Notebook at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.